welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me today is Court Winsett. Hello, Katie. Cameron Spann. Hello, Katie. And we have a caller in, Ryan Mitchell. Hey, Katie. <laughs> okay, so uh, we've got a fun episode today. We're going to kind of talk a little bit deeper into houses. I know you're going, oh my gosh, y'all have done mortgages. Y'all had that Ethan guy on and he talked about houses. Why is this going to be any different? Preparing to sell your house during the holidays. <laughs> like, We're yeah. on a roll. We are all about houses, but uh, Ryan's going to bring a different perspective into this. And so uh, before we get into that, we've got our list and it's a would you rather. I know everyone just started cringing because they are picturing the drinking game of Would You Rather. We're missing the beverages, Katie. (laughs) We are missing them. I mean, you know, (laughs) if you're listening to this, go ahead and crack open a cold one. I don't care. But okay. (laughs) House Hunting's Would You Rather. So uh, I want everyone to kind of chime in on this one. So go big or go home. Would you rather own a vintage Victorian or a modern mansion? Modern mansion all day long. Mm. Yeah, I'm going modern mansion. Victorians are haunted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm going Victorian then if it's haunted. No, of course you are. <laughs> Court? Court's pondering over here. Well, yet you know, uh, I love all the modern amenities that a modern home would uh, would offer you, but in terms of architectural style, I'd rather have the Victorian. Okay, um, so we're two for two. You know, here we go. Okay, next one. Let's talk classics. Would you rather own a colonial-style home or a Spanish-style home? Mm. Hmm. Mm. Don't want to Anyone? channel my Pablo Escobar or my George Washington. <laughs> I'm going to go colonial. Yeah, I think I like the Spanish. Yeah, I'm thinking Spanish. I would not want Spanish style here in Memphis. Right. It, it would be absolutely miserable in this kind of weather. There was that one in Germantown that it kind of looked like a Cuban drug lord's house. Yeah. It was a little strange. Um, <laughs> but that, that kind of open style in the right sort of environment would be would be great would be fantastic flashbacks to the 50s would you rather own a bungalow or a rancher i'm not gonna lie here i'm i'm struggling with this one because i don't really know i've heard of obviously a ranch style home or a bungalow but i don't really know what what they look like i don't know what the difference is brian do you know what they look like well your uh ranch style home uh is just gonna be the you know kind of what everybody's accustomed to um three bedroom, two bath, single level style home, whereas your bungalow is kind of, you know, I guess what you see, or, you know, what I think of when I think of like a downtown style, you know, a house that you see downtown, I guess a little bit smaller. I'm going bungalow. I'm going to channel my inner madman. As long as it has a sunken living room. Have you guys seen those? Oh, yeah, the split levels. Yeah. Those are actually starting to come back in. Really? Uh, I've seen some new house plans with those. I haven't built one, but I've seen them. They're, they're starting to gain popularity again. I hope I get the chance to build one because they are pretty cool. <laughs> well, I guess if you're channeling Mad Men, I'll channel Yellowstone and go with ranch style. Uh, bungalow. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. It's all about character. Would you rather own a Tudor or a Mediterranean? See, these are getting like, uh. Give me Mediterranean. I'm Mediterranean. not crazy about Tudor. There is one structural element of a lot of Tudor style houses that I cannot stand. You see the houses that have the upstairs that juts out mm-hmm. over the downstairs. That bugs the heck out of me. Mm-hmm. That just yeah. looks lopsided. You to like me. balance and symmetry yeah, in your houses. I want, I want, yeah, I want everything to be, yeah. What about you, Ryan? Uh, I like the Mediterranean. Uh, I agree with the top jetting out. I don't like that either. Okay, so think city living. Would you rather own a contemporary townhouse or a classic brownstone? Brownstone. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. What Ryan, are you going to close the loop? Yeah, I don't even know what those are. <laughs> 
I feel like a brownstone is what you would picture like an old school attorney walking out of. Just like that classic look. I just think of New York City. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so kind of getting away from the actual like designs and structures. Let's get some amenities. Would you rather have your dream kitchen or your dream backyard? <laughs> what if there's a kitchen my in the My dream backyard <laughs> includes an outdoor kitchen, so... Uh... <laughs> so you just merged it. Yeah. Man, that's tough. I want to go with kitchen, but I've got three young kids, and so backyard is a little nicer. I'll go with backyard if I can have like the outdoor covered barbecue and all that good stuff. It's just the two of us. We just don't we don't spend that much time in our kitchen anymore. We we eat out a ton. I'd rather have a really great backyard that I could go outside and spend time outside. And as I said, my backyard would include an, an outdoor kitchen. So, you know, best of both worlds. Absolutely. So I'm actually dealing with this right now. Uh, my wife will tell you dream kitchen, um, but I'm all about the backyard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, have y'all finished remodeling the kitchen? No, that's, so we were going to remodel the backyard first, but she's definitely one on the kitchen. So we've got the plans drawn up and all that. So I just got to get started on it. Happy wife, happy life. It's like y'all are reading that's my mind. It. We just updated our kitchen, <laughs> minor updates, and we are getting new sod for our backyard. Monday, so we're kind of getting both. We've got an army of grills in my backyard, and I'm trying to build a uh, like kind of like an outdoor kitchenish stuff. But um, I can't get Daniel to agree on what he wants. I'm trying to get Ryan and Ethan to come down and help make him decide. But you know, it's a good time to announce to our listeners: Katie's actually hosting Memphis and May Barbecue Fest in her backyard. <laughs> Oh, I am. You can fit thousands of people, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Maybe I'll hold the select VIP party. Treat yourself. Would you rather have a walk-in closet or a jacuzzi tub? If I have to pick one or the other, I'm going walk-in closet. Closet. I was, I was thinking the same thing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, closet all day. They don't yeah. require the maintenance, really. Mm -hmm. But I'd love a closet, as I said before, like in Clueless. It has a computer attached to it, so it knows what's in there. I want special lighting. I want rotating shelf. Yeah, I just, I need it all. I thought you were going to say a closet with a jacuzzi <laughs> in it. No, you don't go. want a jacuzzi in <laughs> the Gross. closet because then it's going to get all moist and bleh. moist. <laughs> yeah, okay. I can't tell you how many jacuzzis we've ripped out to put freestanding tubs in anyway. Yeah, no. At this point. If Robin and I ever get around to, to redoing our bathroom, we'll take out the jacuzzi tub and make it all one big shower. Quadruple size showers. I love oh, yeah. those things are just amazing. I've got I mean, to have one. I have a beautiful bathtub in my bathroom. You know what I use it for? Clothes. It's a it's a laundry basket. <laughs> I knew it. It is a laundry basket for sure. It is the largest laundry basket ever. But mm. I mean, I don't I just I'd rather have a bigger shower and I use it as a laundry basket. But it's mm. something about we asked the builders, of course we bought our house as a spec, but you have to put bathtubs in pretty much is what they suggest. Is that right, Ryan? You certainly don't have to, but if you know, with a selling feature, something to think about if you go to sell a house down the road. Just find somebody else who doesn't want a bathtub. So for convenience, would you rather have a home library or home gym? Mm, home gym. Gym. I mean, I, I just don't. Library. Oh, you're going library? Absolutely. There's something magical about a home library like Narnia or well, I guess sure. Beauty and the Beast. But I, I I'd want to have that ladder that like bells on that slides across. Yeah. Having a you library. Gotta have, you got to have the ladder. It, that would be that would be cool, and especially if it was just full of all of the books. But the fact of the matter is, I would never get get around to reading a single one of them. Yeah, practically speaking, Katie, we set a goal this year on the first podcast of the year to read just two books apiece. <laughs> how, how much progress have you made? I mean, do my master's class books count? No, it does not. Okay. <laughs> then I'm doing great. I've read none. 
No, but it's, I don't know, but some people put in libraries and they're not readers and they do it for the aesthetic and it's just, you picture like, that's your, where you go and have your whiskey or you smoke a cigar or mm-hmm. whatever. So, okay, this next one, devil in the details, would you rather have hardwood floors or crown molding? Hardwood. I feel like, don't you just get both? Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought crown molding's pretty standard. I thought it was standard too. Maybe I'm wrong. There's real hardwood and then there's that like fake hardwood, but it looks like it. And- Pergo. Yeah, if we, if we don't go with hardwood, what's the option like bam laminate? Well, I mean, see, that's You've the got, thing. There's so many different kinds out there. We actually live in a, I guess it's kind of a ranch house, and our floors are all brick. The it, floor is brick? Yes. All of all of the floors in the downstairs of the original part of the house, because there was an add-on done later, it's solid brick. Probably hides dirt really well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so going for a wow factor, would you rather have a wraparound porch or a finished basement? Wraparound porch. Mm, man, this is a, another tough one. See, I, I've always wanted the porch, but I guess like watching that 90s show, that's you know, obviously a flashback to the 70s show. I'm like, they have a great basement. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. and their basement isn't even finished on the, no. that 90s show or on that 70s well, show. Well, and in Memphis, you don't really have basements well, that's because the of the flood. Only the the older houses in, in like Midtown and Downtown have the, the older, older houses in Downtown that are still standing have basements. Everything that's been built in East Memphis and in all the suburbs, they mostly do not have basements. So here, I'd rather have that wraparound porch. But if I were living anywhere else, I think I would go for the uh, for the finished basement. Does Alabama have basements? We do. We have quite a few basements. Or, you know, we do basements rather often. Yeah, that was surprising moving up here because I'm from Mississippi. I lived in Columbus and Starkville and you just had basements. And my room was in a basement in Columbus. And moving here, I'm like, no one has a basement. What's going on? Yeah. Okay, feast your eyes. Would you rather have an ocean view or a lake view? Oh. Oh, that is tough. Man, you know, that is a tough- I'm going Lakeview. I may be in the minority here. Having just recently experienced both, and it really is probably the hardest choice you've laid before me. Because I love an ocean view and I love the sound of waves. That is amazing. But also, lake view is fantastic as well. I think I'm going to go ocean, though. I feel like ocean poses more problems as far as weather goes. But I do love a good ocean. I mean, it depends. This is a huge depends because like some people have little lakes and then I just picture that there's going to be snakes coming to get you. (laughs) (laughs) And I I can't, I can't do the snakes, but I guess ocean, then you may have like, I don't know, nothing should crawl out of the ocean towards you. Hopefully we've got a problem if that happens. (laughs) Yes. What about you, Ryan? Ocean or lake? That, yeah, like you guys said, that's definitely the toughest one uh, that we've done so far, but I think I'm going to go ocean. Okay, last one on this list. Uh, final decision. Would you rather have a massive master bedroom or a huge home office? We already have a huge master bedroom. Like, it's comically large. It's playroom size. And it's ridiculous. It's it... All the room for activities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My kids use it as a playroom, so it's ridiculous. I'm going to go for the uh, large home office. I don't know. Because I feel like if I had a big bedroom, then I would just like knock out sections and make it a bigger closet. Okay. (laughs) Or like put like a vanity in there that I could do like have a whole like bougie makeup setup where I can have like the mirrors with the lights and, but then it just morphs into a bathroom. So yeah, I don't know. Interesting thing about this question for me specifically is that a lot of the things that I picture being able to do and take advantage of having the room to do in a larger master bedroom are the same things that I would do if I had my own giant office. In other words, if I if I had a bigger master bedroom, 
I would set up furniture in there other than the bed. You know, I would have chairs and, and a love seat sitting area with the TV. So people and, could watch you while you sleep? Well, no, so that I could retreat to my bedroom and have a place to sit other than my bed. I would do the same thing with my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to get work done or I'm trying to read a book or I'm trying to, you know, whatever. Oh, I'll go to the office. So either way, I think it's a win-win for me. Well, I want to hear Ryan's answer on this. And I do think he needs to point out that I've seen his little man cave. So he's kind of got a cool little yeah, home I, office. Yeah, I've got a pretty good home office and I love it. Um, I would definitely take the home office over the large master bedroom. And, you know, it's got furniture in it and bookshelves and stuff like that. So I, it is kind of a retreat where I can get away and actually get stuff done. And it's... Um, I like the home office. I think we're all on the same page. Listen, guys, from experience, our master bedroom is half the size of this building. It's ridiculous. And <laughs> and we've got the couch. We've got a big seat, uh, chair. We've got a TV. And you realize how little time you actually spend in your bedroom. No matter how well it's set up, it, it, go for the office. I have a little couch and a chair in my bedroom, and it just has clothes on it. Because I hate <laughs> hanging stuff back up. Apparently. But it's it's also kind of with this was just comical finishing up this list and then we're going to get into actually letting Ryan talk. But um, the home office or bedroom, we're, as we've said before on this podcast, we are building a new building and we're going to have a new podcast home, which is going to be awesome. But uh, I do have a new office in the new building and it is pink. So that was my whole compromise of I want pink. I wanted pink in my house currently and my husband was like, nope, not happening. So now I get a pink office. <laughs> that was a fun list. That's our first Would You Rather. Yeah, I like it. Okay, so let's get into this. Ryan, tell our listeners who you are and why we have you on this podcast. I live in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, I'm the vice president of construction at uh, Ren Homes. And I've also uh, been a licensed real estate agent for seven, almost eight years and been kind of in and around construction my whole life and working uh, towards doing investment properties and, you know, buying rental properties and fix and flip type things. Um, Just kind of trying to make my dollars work for me. You said something there right in your intro that made me want to ask you a question that I've been wanting to ask somebody. You have a real estate license and I've been wondering, I've heard conflicting reports about what it, what is required to get a real estate license. Obviously you have to take a test, but then somebody mentioned that they thought you might have to be sponsored by uh, somebody who is already licensed before you can, you can sit for the test. I was wondering if you can expand on exactly what goes into getting your real estate license. That very state to state. Ah. Um, but I know that in Alabama, and I'm pretty sure in Tennessee also, you do not have to be sponsored by another agent. Um, but you have to take 60 hours of coursework mm-hmm. and then you have to pass the test for the course. And then after you pass the course test, then you take the state test. And then there's continuing education required every two years and tons of fees associated with all of that. I've been wondering if, if we shouldn't have somebody on staff that has a real estate license. What, are you even a volunteer? Because you just like to collect all <laughs> of the I need a new license, Katie. I need a new license. Oh my God. Yeah, and you know the good thing is you can do all that online. Ryan, this, yeah. is, this isn't a guest segment. This is actually an interview. We just forgot <laughs> to tell you that. Yeah, we're actually hiring you. You know, come on. <laughs> what side of the business do you prefer? Do you prefer the home building side or the, uh, the selling side? I prefer the home building side. You know, I was in the home building side, you know, pretty much my whole life growing up, my dad and uncle, and they've all been in, in and around the home building business. And, uh, I worked from them from the time I was, you know, summers and weekends and stuff from the time I was really young, around 10 years old or so, I think I started, you know, helping them out. And then, you know, the real estate side looked just like this shiny, cool object 
And so I decided to go after that and I did it and sold actively for about five years and um, now and then decided to get back into the home building side because it's just, you know, where I feel like I belong. What's the coolest home you've ever built? Man, I built some cool ones. We did a pretty custom home. It was around 4,000 square feet. And, you know, like I said, with the heated floors, you know, so we do. um, So you would consider us a custom production builder. We allow a lot more customization in the homes than you know your typical production builder you know you can change the plans move walls around you know we let you add the towel warmers and heated floors and stuff like that but but i did one that was like that and so one of the coolest things they did a glass garage on the opposite side they had a courtyard entry garage and so the back of the garage opened up to the backyard and um so they had like a home gym and did a glass garage door uh and a really cool backyard with outdoor fireplace and you know the cool home gym inside the garage and kind of work area on on the other side so that was pretty cool that's interesting this is fascinating katie wasn't ethan our previous guest on this what didn't he specialize in building um like standard homes not customized so this is kind of the other side of the coin ethan's pretty standard with it yeah and so, and Ethan and Ryan have worked together previously and they kind of, so. Oh, in worlds fact, collide. Yeah. Well, in fact, several of the, <laughs> the friend group, they all kind of do similar things, but they're all a little bit different and have different companies they work with. But okay. So if someone's coming to you and y'all got these customized houses and you can really, you know, sky's the limit. Do you feel like in your line of work, do you enjoy working more with the clients trying to help them figure out what they can do or do you prefer more working with the vendors kind of trying to make sure everything's running smoothly well so this is kind of where my real estate license building experience worlds collide and i actually really enjoy working with the homeowners to help them realize their dreams and make their home dreams a reality and so it's you know it's really cool working with them and they pick out all this stuff and they've got a image of what they think it's going to look like and then you know just trying to make sure that between what they see and what my guys are building is all all going to match up. So I, I love both, but I do really enjoy working with the homeowner. That's cool. And as you stated earlier, you're passionate, you're more passionate about the actual building process. But since we're a financial podcast, I'm here with the tough questions. Um, if someone is in the same shoes as you and they're trying to decide, oh, should I be a home builder? Should I be on the real estate side? Where would you say the money is? Is there one that pays more than the other? How well you do in in real estate is going to depend on how hard you want to work. So your money, you know, which, you know, I guess anything is tied to how hard you want to work. But as as far as being a real estate agent, you know, you're paid on commission and by how many houses you sell versus, you know, if you're a builder, a lot of times. So we're paid on a salary with a bonus. So it's also tied to how hard, you know, how hard you work, but you've got that salary there. Um, is kind of a base. And I know there are real estate companies, you know, that do offer kind of a similar pay structure, but those are kind of few and far between. That makes but, sense. But, you know, with real estate, you can make, you know, really as much as you, you know, it's almost unlimited as to how much you can make. Um, and then, you know, with building as far as working for a builder, you know, you're kind of tied to a salary, and, you know, unless you wanted to build your own houses and start your own company. And then you would, you would be more, you know, you could probably, you know, you can make a lot more money that way. Okay. I have one more question on the building side of it. And then I really want to switch and dive much deeper into kind of what you're getting into with the real estate investment aspect or as the buzzword I like to hear all the time, passive income. But uh, last one on the home building side of it. And obviously, 
I don't want you to risk your job or anything saying any, anything that might get you in trouble if an old homeowner was to listen. But what would be kind of maybe a story or a thing that you put in somebody's house that you just thought was absolutely ridiculous and, um, you know, a little bit out there? You know, I haven't done anything that that is just crazy that would affect home values. So we're currently building a house right now and the amount of options that they are putting into the house is higher than what the house is going to appraise for. So, you know, so they've got to pay out of pocket to, um, you know, for those extra upgrades. And so, you know, their house is going to be, it's going to appraise for less than what they're paying for. If they were to turn around down the line and want to sell that house, it, it, is it a matter of finding somebody that's willing to pay a premium for those extra options or will that just be, would they just have to eat that because the house just isn't going to, the market won't support a house that's got all these options that they've added in. Obviously they could find somebody that would want to pay for, you know, pay over um, the appraised value. And, you know, we saw in 2020, 2021, that was happening all the you time. Know, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Every, you know, people were paying over the appraised value, but as the market's kind of settled down, um, you know, that's not happening as often um, as it was, but you know, the bank's only going to lend as much money as the house appraises for. So if, you know, if they wanted to sell it for more than that, then yeah, you know, they would have to find a buyer that was willing to bring some extra cash to the table. I mean, that's kind of like with the, the bathtub. It's like, if you remove it from the house, you just got to make sure there's somebody willing to buy a house without a bathtub. Mm -hmm. So I want to switch to the kind of the real estate investment and the stuff you're really kind of dipping your toes into now. Cause I have a ton of clients that come to me and I'll, I'll build a financial plan for them and, and ask them kind of what their goals are. And they always mention passive income and because it's all over TikTok, it's all over social media everywhere. And I stress to a lot of them the kind of the positives and the negatives of it. But the fact that if you're buying properties and you're renting them out, whether it's Airbnb or long-term renters, that you need to understand what ticks and all the, you know, all that goes into it whether it's something breaks and can you fix it? Um, if you're flipping houses, are you physically going to be doing the work? Or are you having to contract it out? And so obviously you are in a much different position because you're in that world. You, you physically know how to repair and build things and manage it. And so can you kind of talk to me a little bit about how you decided to get into this and kind of what you're seeing the process is now and going forward? You know, like I said earlier, I love passive income. Um, I know it's a hot topic. I actually just finished a book about passive income. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to do more of that myself where, you know, so the, you know, the key is buying properties at the right price and, you know, being able to calculate all the expenses that, you know, going to go into it. And then, you know, deciding whether it's right to rent that house out now. And like you said, if you can, do all the work on it. And, um, you know, there are numerous property management companies that will be happy to manage your property for you, but is that going to work out? Is the money going to work out where it's worth it? Personally, I think you, you know, need to have at least, you know, eight properties before hiring a property management company is what I, is what I would do. But, you know, I know how to fix that stuff and I've got the contacts to where if something did break, then I could send a guy, you know, I could send a guy out at, two o'clock in the morning to fix a, you know, leak or a water heater or whatever, or air conditioning unit that goes out. It's kind of one of those, you've got the connections. You said a lot of keywords in there of, 
you got the connections. And the fact that you said eight properties before you get a property manager, I have people that are like, oh, I'm going to buy this house with my significant other. I'm just going to rent my house out. And they're wanting to get a property manager involved for just one. So when I'm talking to people about this, they usually have day-to-day jobs that have nothing to do with building and you're in that world. So you do have that context, which I think makes you have a leg up in this business. I mean, kind of talk to me a little bit about the reality of finding these properties, as you said, finding the right cost and making sure you're looking at all the expenses and maybe what some of those expenses are that people may not be thinking about. It's going to vary case by case. You know, like you said, everybody, people that have day-to-day jobs that are not in, you know, this world, if they've got one property that, that, that they're going to rent out, you know, say they're moving, um, moving overseas. I, you know, I know some people that have done that, you know, they, they're, job took them overseas so they rented their house out while they were here you know obviously it's going to make sense for them to hire a property manager for that one house um, but if you're looking to you know to get into it as you know something that you're trying to make money on and trying to uh, maximize your profits um, you know the property manager is going to take a percentage of uh, the monthly rent and so you just need to make sure that you know your expenses are covered before um, going into that and you know you want to look at your closing costs and then you know your monthly expenses that people don't think of are just repairs and i know and so right now in, in huntsville um, there are several investment companies that have that are coming in and they're building strictly rental houses and they're building like i think there's one company that's building 250 and there's another company that's building 500 just this year so you know you're going to pay more for a new house but you've got less chance of uh, something going wrong and you know buying a new house um, you know you're going to have a one-year warranty through the builder typically it's going to cover a lot of those you know things leaks and um, appliances going out things like that that if you have an older house that you're renting out you know you just never know what those expenses are going to be so do you see like now what you're currently doing and maybe in the near future are you looking more towards getting property and renting it out for long-time renters or more like a short-term like Airbnb type thing? So I've looked into both and, you know, Airbnb the past couple of years has been huge, but it's it seems to be kind of trending uh, down a little bit. People are not traveling like they were and the Airbnb space is becoming really crowded. So unless you've got a stellar, you know, short-term rental that sets you apart from the thousands that are already out there, you know, it's not as easy to rent out, but it depends on kind of the towns that you live in. Huntsville, for example, there's on on average 55 people a day moving into Huntsville and um, inventory is low. So new construction is still pretty strong here. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are having to move in to short-term rentals, you know, just until their house gets finished. So that's kind of a market that I've looked at. I've built houses for uh, several people that have had to, you know, that have done that and, you know, moved in from out of town and then got a short-term rental for a, a few months while their house is being built. Or, you know, if uh, building times take longer than expected, you know, with all the, which we're starting to catch up now, but, you know, during COVID, it was really tough with um, supply issues. And so, you know, we're, you know, where we were building houses in seven or eight months, you know, it was taking closer to 10 or 12. And so it was just a lot harder to predict how long it was going to take to build houses and people were having to get short-term rentals. I like the idea of short-term rentals and I think you can make more money as long as you can keep them rented out. But I think I would, you know, depending on the property that I bought would probably be renting for long-term. So give some uh, suggestions on maybe how you're doing this or how people can do this. But 
obviously it uh, takes money to make money. So if you're looking at trying to get eight properties down the road, how are you going to look at getting the capital to do this? That is a good question. That's something that I'm still trying to figure out. <laughs> like you said, it takes money to make money. And I know, um, so kind of what my plan is to get the money for those rental houses is I'm going to do some fix and flips. And uh, from there, take that money to buy the next property. Uh, I just bought a book um, by David Green called The Burr Method. That is buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. And so that's kind of a way where you can buy these properties with uh, no money out of pocket and um, and then use use one property to buy the next property. And so, you know, every time you buy a property, you're, you know, just using your equity in that property to buy your next property. So once you have a property that has been renovated, that is going to make it appraised for hire. And so you can pull more money out of that. You know, the next way is to get an investor. And if if you've got an investor, then you guys can go in um, on the properties together. You've got kind of somebody that's got the money that funds the deal and then you would have somebody like me that is taking care of the property you know going out doing the legwork on the property and then you know and then you're splitting the proceeds on that okay i want to dive a little bit deeper into that so obviously the the latter one the one you just talked about being an investor is that you you have the skill sets that you know you can manage these properties you can repair you can do that and so if someone was to partner with you if they had the money then they can still benefit from getting this passive income but they're doing it in a smart way because they hopefully are trusting you knowing that you can do this that's one thing the other thing i want to point out is so when you're talking about taking these houses and you know the burr method all the all the different r's the thing that went into my head being the financial advisor side is illiquid. Your money is very much tied up then in these properties. And so you are relying on until you can move to the next one, you've got to sell and hope that you can get your money's worth out of this and that it's not an economic turn where people aren't paying the dollars for houses or you're having to, you know, sell it for less. So that would be something that, you know, Ryan, can I talk about that? That obviously that's a struggle then. Especially when the, you know, strange economic times that we're living in now where, you know, are we in a recession? Are we not? What's going to happen in the next year? And, you know, I know there's a lot of varying opinions on that. So that's definitely a, you know, more risky, you know, way to do that. Especially, you know, if the market turns, then you can certainly end up upside down. I've said this phrase, I may have said it on the podcast before, but when you're looking at kind of your investments and this this would be whether you're the one actually like you running the properties or if you're the one that's partnering with you and giving up the cash, it's very volatile. It's like a stock. It's you never really know. So that means that to do your due diligence, to do what's best for you, you almost need to have a bucket of money that is like a bond that's very conservative, very much, you know, aside working for you, earning a very conservative growth rate, but is not is risky because I think too many people put all their eggs in one basket. And if you're taking your 401k and all your emergency funds and throwing it into this property, that's how people end up, as you said, upside down. And what was supposed to be fun little passive income has now turned into destroying your entire financial plan. Absolutely. It happens a lot more often than people realize. You know, everybody talks about real estate being just the safest and best investment. But, you know, there's been a lot of people that have not invested correctly in real estate and it has has not worked out well for them. So it's all about, you know, running the numbers before and, you know, kind of being in partners with somebody that knows what they're doing. Definitely looking at the market 
and uh, knowing what the market's doing and what kind of properties to buy, you know, whether you're doing a short-term or long-term rental um, and kind of what's going to work best for that property or is it a property that's going to work best to fix, flip, and get rid of in 90 days to make money back to buy another one. So it's just kind of, you know, running the numbers and, you know, depending on what the market's doing at the time. And so, again, since we're financial-minded over here, uh Doing this, you would want to make sure you had a solid team behind you. You're a great CPA, a great financial advisor, but also I kind of want to talk more on the legal side in court. You know, I definitely get you to jump in on this, but, um, you know, you're, you're talking about property. You're talking about renting things out, and this is a generation where people like to sue. So that's one aspect of it. And then the other is, obviously, if I was like, Hey, Ryan, yeah, I'll give you $10,000 to, you know, I'll chip in towards your investments. And I just sent that to you in a text. Okay, well, you're going to start building your property off of that because it's a goodwill. But, you know, what's the legal behind that? Yeah, well, you're not going to, no, that's not, you're not going to do that. But not Ryan, you, trust me. So, you know, <laughs> no, he, he knows I'm going to follow through on going, this. There is going to be a written yeah. agreement between between two partners that are doing any sort of financial undertaking where one is, is providing financial assistance and the other one is providing the know-how or whatever. It would be unwise of you to to go into such an arrangement without an agreement on the front end. One hundred percent. You know, even you know, best friends, siblings. It doesn't matter. Those you know, those uh, relationships. You know, money can ruin those relationships, and you know, you just you just never know. And having those agreements in place are definitely key. I mean, obviously, yeah, having that relationship and they're having um, those legal documents probably you know, LLCs to back you because obviously you do not want to be personally sued. You want to wrap this all in a company. So then that's going to throw in some extra expense doing that correct. But obviously it's okay. So, hey, I, I believe in you, Ryan. I'm going to give you some money. But then I would assume that in those legal documents, you'd want to have something that what if you took my money and ran? Oh, for sure. So, okay. My question would be then, Ryan, you've got this great idea. You've Sounds like you've got a great plan. So how would you pitch to somebody that you're wanting to get as an investor to kind of believe in you and buy into this? What's your elevator pitch? Yeah. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, with my experience and, um, you know, knowledge and contacts that I have, you know, being able to find the right property and, you know, run those numbers to make sure that, it's something that's going to be a successful investment, you know, I think is key. I mean, that works. It's just kind of, you got to do all your homework before you can ever get somebody to invest in you. And so I think, I think that's the big thing that people need to know. So if, if somebody was coming to you and saying, Hey, I think I want to do what you do. What advice would you give to them? Do your homework. That's pretty much my biggest advice on anything. You know, there's, there's a lot of people getting into real estate investing that, you know, are just, and you know, you see it on TV shows and TikTok and YouTube all the time, you know, people going in and buying these properties and going to, uh, you know, do a quick fix and flip or, you know, rent them out. And, um, you know, you don't realize the nightmare that you can get into, you know, a house can look great on the outside. And then just knowing, you know, what could happen if you pull this drywall off and discover who knows how many more problems and just, you know, knowing how to be able to adapt and fix what's got to be fixed and still, you know, stay within budget and, you know, still be able to make money and, you know, know what to do in those situations. You know, I think it's huge. Um, 
you know, I think there's a lot of first-time investors that, you know, like I said, YouTube and Chip Gaines and Chip and Joanna make it look so easy. But, you know, they, and, you know they're great, but, you know, they make it look so easy. And I think a lot of people think that they can just get in and, you know, kind of slap some lipstick on a pig and make it work. But that's not, not really the case. That's a great segue into my, my final question to you. Do you have a favorite home flip show or real, real estate investment show? You mentioned the, the yeah. games. You've got small. Is it small town? What's it called? The one in Laurel, Mississippi. Uh, hometown? I can't remember, but there's, there's that one. There's the brothers and, yep. yeah. Do you, do you have a favorite yeah, one or good background TV for you? I, I definitely love Chip Gaines. I've kind of got the Chip Gaines hair going on right now. You do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'm a, a big fan of them. Um, I like the Property Brothers. I don't watch a whole lot of those shows. You know, it really just makes me mad. Like, oh, that's not how that's done. <laughs> So I don't watch a whole lot of those shows, but I, you know, I, but obviously the games, I, you know, I think are awesome, and you know, I love what they've done outside of just a TV show, and they're a lot more than just a TV show, and I think that's really cool. Okay, my final question to you is: when you're looking ahead at the, what you're working through, is your end goal to be where you're no longer really working for your current company, building homes, but yet your only job is these properties and getting kind of getting this passive income and working with investors. Absolutely. Um, you know, passive income is my ultimate end goal, you know, where I've got these properties and, you know, I'm and I'm managing them and, you know, that frees up time. And, you know, ultimately I would love to be, to have enough passive income coming in and, you know, it's also my retirement plan. Um, and I need to get with Katie on this a lot more. Uh, yes, you do. <laughs> I know yes, we talked about it. Yeah, I know we've talked about it more than once. But that's where Pickler comes in with with all of their expertise. But ultimately, yes, this is, you know, that's kind of my retirement plan is uh, these rental properties. It's part of your retirement plan, Ryan. It's part of your retirement plan. <laughs> well, that's where Katie comes in. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yes, part of my retirement plan. Court, you got anything else for me? I got nothing yeah. except uh, you know, welcome, welcome back to me. I've been no. gone. <laughs> you have been, and uh, and and boy, do I have some stories to tell people about New Zealand. We're gonna have to do an episode just on New Zealand because man, that place was amazing. Yeah. Well, I know Ryan's a big listener of ours. He's I think been listening since the beginning. So um, the OG, yeah, man. episode one. That's it. <laughs> well, it, Ryan, anything else you want to say to the listeners um, about you, about your job? job about life anything yeah yeah basically if you know if somebody listening is wanting to get started in uh real estate investing um i would just you know make sure to do my homework on it first and you know run your numbers i cannot stress how how important running the numbers are and knowing what numbers to run um and if there are any investors looking to get into real estate that want to throw some money out there i'm always willing to take it <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity to come on your guys' podcast. Like I said, I've been listening since day one, so I love you guys. Aww. Or, you know, love what you guys are doing. So that's awesome. That brings See, a tear to my eyes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> gonna make me cry. No. Oh, yeah. Well, so yeah. get me that proposal of uh, you looking for investors, and, you know, maybe I can slip it to a suitable client that it makes sense in their portfolio. But, yeah, I yeah. think it's just keep doing what you're doing. I really appreciate you being on the show with us. Um, I think you've dropped some great knowledge on a very hot topic of passive income. And um, I'm sure we'll probably have you back once you're fully rolling in this passive income, because I think you will be moving that direction sooner rather than later. But uh, 
I will say that. For sure. Uh, yeah. some, I was going to say for sure. No, I, I appreciate that. It's something that I just, um, you know, so I just got the LLC. It's something that I'm, you know, just now working towards. So I'm looking forward to the journey of actually getting started. And uh, that'll definitely be sooner rather than later. Perfect. Bingo. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there is the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beam directly to your listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me, Katie, Cameron, then please feel free to go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. Leave a comment, suggest a topic you'd like to hear more about, or if you've got somebody you'd like to hear as a guest on our show, drop that in the comments as well. Or if you yourself would like to be a guest, feel free to suggest yourself. If you like pictures, boy, do we have pictures. We've got pictures on Instagram. That handle is at bullcastpodcast. And we have words on Twitter. That handle is at bullcastpodcast as well. We've got a page on Facebook, the Bullcast podcast and um finally ladies and gentlemen uh if you'd like to find out more about where katie and cameron and i actually earn a living that's pickler wealth advisors you can find out more about us find out more about the amazing team that we work with and find out more about our boss david pickler that address is picklerwealthadvisors.com that's advisors with an o not an e ladies and gentlemen i've given you everything you need to go forth buy houses and be merry so for now i'm court i'm katie i'm cam that's ryan and we're out. We're out.